Hi, I'm Joe Chura and welcome to 630 Naperville. On this program, we'll talk end of year finances, dish the hottest catering and event trends, learn how to make the holidays happier, and chat estate planning and business law with a great local lawyer. But first, we're off to Knock Knowles with the Naperville Park District to talk about the environment. Hi, I'm Samira Luthman with the Naperville Park District, and welcome to Park It. Today, I'm at the beautiful Knock Knowles Park with the Knock Knowles Nature Center in the background, and I'm joined by our Nature Center manager, Angelique Harshman. We're here to talk about the importance of the environment and how it benefits us physically and mentally, both individually and community-wide. Welcome, Angelique. Thank you. Digital devices are an important part of our lives. We stay connected 24-7. However, we also need to detox. So what role does the environment play in detoxing from digital devices, both physically and mentally? Um, yeah, it's really important to get outside and have that kind of downtime. Um, it helps to slow things down because our lives are so fast paced and the hustle and bustle. Um, it also helps you to be present in the moment. And scientific studies have shown that there's physical and mental benefits. So the physical benefits would be like a lowering your blood pressure, um, lowering your heart rate, um, even, you know, relaxing your muscles, get right. rid of that muscle tension. And sure. they've even shown that it can help boost your immune system. And then um, for, uh, you know, the mental well-being, it just, it tends to elevate your mood. People that have pain, chronic pain, it really helps with us coping with that. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, those are uh, even kind of focusing, helping us to focus when we get back to things. Right. And there's nothing like sunlight, right, exactly. to make you feel better and happier. Yes. What role does recreation specifically play in the environment, like what, what, how do those two things connect? So a lot of recreational activities take place outside. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you're talking golfing, boating, you know, even, um, you know, bicycling and walking, and you're bound to see wildlife or changes in the environment. And, um, you know, a lot of people are curious, so they might investigate, you know, um, to find out a little bit more about what they saw or they experienced. Mm -hmm. And that whole process of kind of understanding helps you to create a, an appreciation and that appreciation, you know, eventually turns into, uh, you know, wanting to protect things that we see sure. in nature or the natural world. And that's really important too. Yeah. So understanding that nature gives us so much, and you've touched on a lot of that already, what are some ways that we can give back to nature and to the environment? Sure. Uh, there's so many ways. Um, we do hear a lot about green technology and green energy. And so, you know, um, the promotion of electric vehicles is great, but right. not everybody can afford that. Very true. So um, I like to kind of focus on the three R's, which are um, reduce, reuse and recycle. Mm -hmm. So by reducing, you know, if you reduce the things that you buy or get them from secondhand stores, that helps a lot. Sure. Um, donate your items that other people can use um, after you're finished with them. Um, reusing, that's the same kind of thing too. And also, you know, something, maybe there's another way you can use that item or you can fix that item. And then of course, the last one is recycling. We all know about recycling of paper and, and um, you know, glass and plastics, but also nature's recycling is composting. Mm -hmm. So that's a great way to, um, you know, give back to the earth and your community. 
So I know that it's so easy to get wrapped up in your own life and think about yourself individually or just think about your family, but there are impacts to that if you're just kind of not thinking more globally. Mm -hmm. So what are some of the the benefits and some of the ways that people can kind of step out of their own family unit and think about how they're impacting the environment? Yeah, I mean, it kind of has to be a conscious thing. Um, So, you know, just think more about your choices and your actions. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, certainly, um, you know, focusing on the three R's help. But you can also use your voice, you know, vote for leaders that support the environment. And I'd say a really big component um, with families is get your kids out in nature, you know, because they are going to be the future leaders and citizens and policymakers, and they need to develop that appreciation and uh, wanting to protect the environment as well. So parents, neighbors, friends can set that example. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So then lastly, what are some good resources for people who want to get out in nature and benefit maybe physically or mentally or, you know, just do more with the environment? What would you suggest? So one of my favorite um, websites is the University of Minnesota has uh, Take Charge of Your um, Health and Well-Being. And it has a whole section on nature, um, giving you ideas. Um, You can actually take a quiz to see if you're nature deprived. (laughs) And because of some of the research that's being done, doctors are starting to prescribe on their prescription pads Mm -hmm. a walk in nature. So please, three times a week, go to this forest preserve, you know, and and enjoy yourself. That's amazing. Yes. Cool. Well, excellent. Those are some great resources. Angelique, I appreciate your expertise. I know you're all about nature and the environment, so I knew there was no better person to to talk to today. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us on Park It today and learning about the environment and how it can benefit you physically and mentally. I'll see you next time. I'm happy to welcome back Anita Knotts of Lotus Women's Institute to the show. Anita, great to have you back. Joe, it's great to be here. So this year has obviously been crazy. We've talked about it a bit on the show. Stock market volatility, rising interest rates. What can we possibly do to prepare ourselves for the end of the year? Well, you're right. We've had quite a few conversations about the roller coaster that we've been on in the financial markets. You and I could get whiplash just talking about it, right? But oftentimes what I do is take a step back, look at the deck of cards that we've been dealt, and decide how do we play the game going forward, especially these last few weeks of the year? And the stock market's definitely dealt us a bad hand. Yes, you are correct. In fact, both the stock and bond markets, right? Because bonds are usually a safe haven, and this year both have misbehaved. And there's no place to hide from well, this. Yes, one would think that. But again, um, based on our past conversations, you've heard me say, when everything looks like it's going to you-know-what, what we might want to do is look at the things that we can control, right? So again, we've only got a few weeks left to the year. One of the things that I would recommend is to focus on concepts around financial planning. So expand on that a little bit more for me. Sure. So let's say we look at four different areas, four types of planning. Investment planning is one, tax planning is another, charitable planning is a third, and then finally we have retirement planning. Okay, So we start with investment planning. Look at the mix of investments that you have. How much do you have in stocks, in bonds, in cash, uh, alternatives, right? Now, 
we've also just spoke about the fact that the stock market has been really up and down and very volatile this year. You probably have some investments in your account that are sitting at a loss. And so perhaps one aspect of investment planning that you might want to do, and by the way, you should do this with an advisor. If you don't have an advisor, do it on your own, but at your own risk, okay? But take a look at the investments that you might have for a loss, and maybe you want to take capital losses, right? Would you consider that loss harvesting? Tax loss harvesting. That's exactly right, Joe. And a lot of people will say, well, why in the world would I ever want to take a loss in anything? Well, you've got two reasons, two potential reasons. One is that if you do take losses, you might be able to apply some part of that towards your taxable income and lowering your taxable income. That's a good thing. Reason number two is, let's say you've got capital gains that you want to take. Guess what? When you sell something for a gain, Uncle Sam wants a piece of that. So you could use some of the capital losses. To net each other out. That's exactly right, to offset. So I feel like I hear that a lot from my uh, wealth management advisor, especially when the stock market's down. He's like, hey, we have t tax loss harvesting. Yes. It's, uh, but, but it truly is, is a benefit for all those reasons that you mentioned. That's exactly right. So let's switch over to, uh, to tax planning. Yeah. Where does that come in? Yeah, so you have a day job, I have a day job. Guess what? I'm willing to bet that understanding tax law isn't a part of that day job. No. So this is why I cannot emphasize enough find a tax specialist, right? Tax laws change, Joe, and to stay on top of it, you need to align yourself with someone who's knowledgeable about these things, point number one. Point number two, back from when I was an advisor in my past life, one of the best things that a client did is connect us with their tax advisor. So what the tax advisor does is take a look at their taxable situation for a given year. So if you're talking to your tax specialist, what does your tax bill look like, potentially, an estimate for 2022? But then sharing that information with your advisor, because who knows, there might be things that that advisor could do to minimize the tax consequences and giving yourself more of a tax-efficient strategy. So then we have charitable giving. Yes, charitable giving is, can be very important. So the easy thing to talk about is, hey, make a charitable donation, and um, obviously, again, working with a specialist or an advisor. That's one easy thing to do. Longer term, uh, another avenue might be planned giving. That basically allows you the opportunity to make that contribution now. You take the tax deduction now, but it's paid out at some point in the future. A donor advised fund is, for example, that's just one example. But in that aspect, what you're doing is something good for society, right, your community, but you're also getting the monetary benefit of potentially a tax efficient strategy. This is a lot. This is obviously not things you should take on yourself unless you're an expert in all these areas. No, this isn't Which really. many aren't. Yeah, this isn't DIY stuff, right? So. Uh, that's a great point. Always find specialists that you trust and who know what they're doing. So then that brings us to the very last form of planning, which is retirement planning. Retirement? Who retires nowadays? Is, that, is it like it used to be where you work 30 years and you retire? What are you seeing? Not, not at all. And the advice that I would have is, well, when, let me ask you a question this time. When do you think is the best time to start retirement planning? I think as early as possible because it, you know, the time um, importance of money is significant, how it accumulates, obviously. But yeah. 
you know, for myself, it's, uh, I don't look at retirement as a finite thing. Right, right, because uh, life has changed in that manner, mm -hmm. right? Many of us finally have found a purpose in our work, and I personally can't imagine just walking away from it because I love what I do. But years ago, when I started in the workforce 30 years ago, um, you started off in your early 20s, and retirement just seemed like a distant concept. Mm -hmm. Nobody really thought about what should I be doing now if I want to retire at 55 or 65, right? But there's no better time to plan for retirement than when you first enter the workforce. So as we approach year-end, for example, one of the low-hanging fruit items that you could be focused on is have you contributed to your 401k? If you work for an employer that has an employer-sponsored retirement plan, that's low-hanging fruit. Make sure you're contributing. If you can, contribute the max. If you have an individual retirement account, um, there are other boxes that you need to check there as well. For example, if you are over the age of 70 and a half, you have to take what is known as a minimum required distribution by December 31st. If you don't, there could be a hefty penalty against that. Hmm. So this has been super helpful, the four tax, or the four planning strategies, yeah. um, but also just reminding us as investors, control what you can control. You're so spot on with that. Listen, we know the markets go up and the markets go down. We have surely seen that this year, right? But the important thing is that you not hit the panic button and exit the market. Focus on the things that you can control. All of these planning tips are within your sphere of control. And so focusing on those aspects are going to help you save and plan accordingly for your financial future. Thank you for joining us today, Anita. Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity. After the break, we're talking food and catering trends and things are getting bubbly. Don't go anywhere. People from Chicago pull for Chicago. We root for its teams, celebrate its successes, push through its challenges. When people call us the second city, it's misleading. We're second to none. We're hardworking, resilient, but we have a good time. When you live in Chicago, you proudly call this home. Your bank should too. We're Wintrust, built here, for here. And we've taken our place at Chicago's bank because no other bank can say the same. So the Q4, Susan. We were there when your fourth cold brew felt like a heart attack. <laughs> oh no. Cold brew has a lot of caffeine in it. We were there for that. Fair. And we're here for everything else. Here it's personal because we get to know you. Welcome to Business Forward. I'm Kaylin Risvold, President and CEO of the Naperville Area Chamber of Commerce, and we're here at Elements at Water Street with hospitality guru Dave Miller to learn about trends we're seeing in the hospitality world. And I know the Chamber has had many events here at Elements. What are some of the trends you're seeing as we're getting back to the event world? And yes, we are getting back to events. 2022 has been uh, quite a comeback year. Um, we're seeing a lot of enthusiasm with our groups, uh, the corporate groups, social groups, um, the non-for-profits, the weddings alike. They're coming in with energy. They're coming in ready to party. Um, they, they've stepped up the music. A lot of them are stepping the food up. Um, I'm noticing a lot of groups want to be up out of the chair and they want more interactive menus. They want a more interactive event in general. What's an interactive menu? 
something that gives enough variety to the group, but also keeps them moving around uh, the space. Yeah, moving around and able to talk to each other and take advantage of the great space here. But you also have a catering company that works in whatever space people are going to. What trends are you seeing in the catering world? Catering is definitely a higher maintenance uh, arena of food service. Um, typically with catering, the venue is going to dictate uh, the majority of what we can and can't do. But we love it because we're in spaces, um, barns and farms and high-rise apartments and you know big area spaces um, and given the space we like to conform the menu and the service style to fit how the group and how the food is going to interact with one another in that space. And people use really unique spaces which lead to unique experiences. What experiences and trends are you seeing um, throughout the industry? When people get to an event um, I feel like more than ever they want to have fun. They want to get down, they want to dance, they want live music, uh, and they want um, good food and good beverage. Um, I put one of my favorite things out here for you all today. Um, I love champagne. I think champagne has such an awesome part in hospitality because uh, it isn't just celebratory. It isn't just for the wedding or the graduation. It's really to celebrate life in its everyday. And champagne pairs so well with food that almost any hors d'oeuvre party or uh, your elegant hors d'oeuvre reception or your casual, you know, around the kitchen table uh, meal can have champagne. And there are so many different levels of sweetness and dryness to champagne. There's so many levels of how they make it that there is sparkling wine and champagne out there for everyone. And I thought we'd have a little together today because we can celebrate for no reason. Do you know what? Celebrate life. I've never had a glass of champagne where you don't just feel happy inside. I think the bubbles make you happy somehow. All right, well, we've looked at it long enough. Let's get in. Okay, so Kaylin, I've given you the most important tool. I've given you the other second most important tool. <laughs> I'm gonna let you do your thing. All right. I get one try. So, so the point is to go along the seam and to kind of just pop it up. But again, you get that, get that. Just a one motion. And it's First time. Perfect. Oh! So if you can see here what's happened, you have actually blown the neck of the bottle clean off. Okay. All the pressure and the effervescence from the champagne, once you make a hairline fracture on the neck of the bottle, it blows it clean off. I had a good teacher. Now let's drink some. Kaylin. Well done on your first champagne saber. Now we're gonna get into some of these bubbles. Yes. Um, this is a Pinot Noir Rosé champagne, and all that means is they leave a little of the Pinot Noir skins uh, in the barrel while they ferment. Okay. And I believe that our chef, George, has some very nice hors d'oeuvres that'll pair nicely with these. Perfect. Thank you, Chef. Kayla, now that we got some bubbles in our glass, um, I had Chef George bring us out some delightful pairings that are some of my favorite. Um, easy to make at home if you have to, but better if you have them at Elements. Uh, burrata toast with a little sun-dried tomato tapenade, uh, our saffron lobster roll, pafita roll, and then one of my favorites is the caviar bellini. And in the center, a little rack of lamb, all pairs lovely with champagne. Well, thank you for your expertise and all you're doing for our hospitality industry. Cheers.
I'm happy to welcome Sari Salveson, a clinical therapist with Linden Oaks Behavioral Health. She's here to talk about how to help make the holidays more joyful. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Happy to be here. So holidays are supposed to be joyful. Mm -hmm. Why do they stress us out? I think the holidays are kind of a two-sided coin. I think on one hand, they are filled with excitement and joy and festivity and, you know, family tradition. But then with that, on the other side of the coin comes irritability, depression, anxiety, um, for sometimes it can be a period of grief, losing somebody or missing somebody that maybe is no longer around for the holiday, setting unrealistic expectations and biting off more than we can chew, um, and ultimately that can stress us out. So I think for some of those reasons, um, that can lead to a little bit more stress for the holiday. That makes sense. Yeah. So I know around the holiday we try to pack a ton in. Right. We typically look forward to that break to get things done around the house. Mm -hmm. But sometimes we overcommit. What are some signs that we should look out for with regards mm -hmm. to packing too much in yeah. during the holidays? Yeah, I think if you're finding yourself feeling more irritable, if you're not able to experience any joy or be in the moment with your family and really have that time for rest, if you're just taking on too much and you're not sleeping well, or you find yourself feeling a little bit more anxious and not able to get things done and not having enough time, I think, or feeling a little bit more low and sad. I think all of those things could be a sign that maybe you've taken on too much. What are some other things that people can do around the holidays and prep themselves? Because obviously it does take a lot of energy too, to either host or to be a yeah. guest at someone's, at someone's home. Yeah, I think it's, you know, try to plan ahead a little bit. Like we have sometimes time off or looking at the calendar and trying to really like map out what you want that to look like so you're not taking on too much ahead of time. I think practicing self-compassion and just, you know, saying, okay, I want things to go well for myself and my family and just being kind to yourself, sleeping well, eating well, drinking water, kind of attending to your basic needs I think is important. And I think it's okay to ask for help. I think delegating, I think people often want to help. We don't have to take it all on ourselves. And I think, again, sometimes with the holidays can come, you know, family traditions, but also family dysfunction or family stress. And I think setting boundaries um, is another important thing. You can say no and you can take on what feels feasible versus trying to take it all on yourself. Got it. That makes sense. Yeah. If you're feeling overwhelmed, then where do you go for help? Let's, you hit a point and you're just like, I need to talk to someone. Yeah, I think, again, it's that self-check of like, how severe are my symptoms? How, how am I feeling? Is this grief? Is this sadness staying? Am I, am I so overwhelmed? I don't know who to talk to or what to do. I think you're you know, a therapist. Um, a primary care physician can always offer resources. I know Linden Oaks offers um, assessments for you know, level of care needs and can also provide resources if needed. So I think those are always three areas that are a go-to if, if needed. Got it. Yeah. Thank you, Sari, so yeah. much for being here today and for giving us these coping tools. Absolutely. For Thanks for having me. After the break, we're sitting down with James Bernicke, and he's answering some of the common legal questions he gets from his clients. Stay with us. We were there when your kid discovered poison ivy. Now remember, leaves of three. Let it be. We were there for that, and we're here for everything else. Here, it's personal, because we get to know you.
Welcome back to 630 Naperville. In this installment of Legally Speaking, attorney James Bernicke is here to take us through some of the most common estate planning and business ownership questions he gets from his clients. Thanks for being here, James. Thanks for having us. All right, first question. If unmarried, I've been with my partner for a long time, what rights does the partner have to belong as if I should pass away? Yeah, it's, it's a great question, and it's a question we get pretty often, where we'll have someone contact us and say, I've been living with my partner for 20, 30 years. We never got married. Maybe they were married and, and got divorced, have some kids from a previous marriage. One of them passes away, and they'll contact us and say, what, what rights do I have now? Um, my partner died without a will. And it's a difficult conversation because they really don't have a lot of rights. Rights come through either the marriage or through an estate plan. So they might have rights to anything they own jointly, but if the house was in the now deceased partner's name, that's gonna go to their heirs. So a lot of times people come out of the woodwork, whether it's uh, you know, a child from their previous marriage, a sister, sometimes it's people they haven't talked with in years and years, and this person comes and says, well, all this is mine now, you know, through not having an estate plan, not having a plan, and they want to take all that from this partner who may have been paying the mortgage for years, but has no legal right to it, unfortunately. Got it. That makes sense. So if you don't have an estate plan, what happens to your belongings and kids? Mm -hmm. Well, there's a, in Illinois, everything's set up. There's a statutory way with what happens when you don't have an estate plan. So your children, for instance, they might go to parents or they might go to siblings. And we have a lot of people who come in, and that's a sticking point with a lot of people, where they say, I don't know who would take care of my kids if something happened to me or something happened to me and my spouse at the same time. And it's a point of you know, uh, delay for a lot of people where they really think about, what do I want to do with my kids? And we tell them, okay, if you don't have anything set up, here's what will happen. Maybe they'll go to your brother. And the person will say, well, I don't really get along with my brother. I don't know if he'd be the best for my kids. We tell them, you need to come up with a plan then. You need to talk to one of your friends about it. It can be a cousin. It can really be anybody. Um, but if you don't set that up within your estate plan, the state's going to decide for you. And it might not be what you want to happen. I could totally empathize with that. I remember looking at the questionnaire, and I just stared at it. And mm -hmm. then you also have to play things out a bit, because if you have older parents or in-laws, and uh, you know, maybe at that moment in time, they're okay to take care of your kids, but what happens in five years from now or 10 years? And that's, that's one of the really difficult things about estate planning is it's a very hard conversation to have with people because you're talking about your own morality and, and maybe that of people around you. Mm. So I tell people a lot, yes, this is a really hard discussion to have. You don't, no one really wants to talk about what happens if I pass away? What happens if me and my wife and my parents are all on a trip and we all pass away? So within the estate plan, you want to have all that set up so that you're not waking up in the middle of the night thinking, oh my God, what would happen if, what would happen if? Mm -hmm. You've got all that set up and you, a lot of times you'll have not only one, but maybe two or three people in succession. So it's all planned out. And if you know, the unfortunate and tragic were to happen, that you would know what exactly would happen. So it's a, it's a hard talk to have with people, but I feel like once they're done having that and once it's all laid out, you take that off your plate. You mm -hmm. stop worrying about that. Yeah, so essentially make sure it's written down, make sure it's in an estate plan from a licensed, licensed attorney, mm -hmm. which brings me to over to the kind of the business side of things. 
do verbal agreements, obviously they, they don't apply when it comes to estate planning, but what about business? For business, I always I tell people a lot because they, they come uh, when something's gone wrong with maybe them or their business partner. And a verbal agreement is wonderful as long as things are going well. <laughs> when things go bad, and it's not always anybody's fault, but one party thinks this is the agreement, another party thinks another, and if they never put it down in writing, you can get these disputes about, well, I thought um, I was getting paid out of net versus gross. Oh, no, no, no. You're getting things like that. One party thinks one, one thinks the other. And it's, it's, um, it's a lot easier to sit down with somebody and put it down on paper and make sure everybody's on the same page versus trying to fix it once the dispute starts. That's when it gets uh, difficult and sometimes expensive. So you obviously recommend then if you're going to start a business to hire an attorney. I think it's important to have uh, not only an attorney, but also someone to go over the tax implications. As, as a law firm, you're, an attorney can help you with deciding how everything's going to work as far as distribution, who has powers to uh, make decisions, things like that. But you also want to talk to somebody about the tax implications. So it's, it's a team effort, but it's important to do it at the onset when everyone can be in agreement and you can kind of work through those things rather than five or ten years down the road when some dispute happens and, and nothing's been in writing and one person, like I said, is under one impression and one's under the other. That's when things get really difficult. That makes sense. Well, thank you for being here today. I appreciate you taking the time and highly encourage anyone watching to, uh, to find a qualified attorney as yourself and really get, get this stuff completed and done and don't have it as a weight on your shoulder. Thank you. Next up, we have another solid Naperville gem. This one focuses on the booming business industry here in Naperville and how the community really shows up to support us. As the fourth largest city in Illinois, Naperville often tops the charts as a quality place to live, work, and play. This wouldn't be possible without a strong economic environment made of many businesses, big and small. The city's location, which offers easy access to surrounding cities, airports, and Chicago, is a major reason why international and national industries choose Naperville. The downtown area alone is packed with several hundred retail shops, restaurants, and other industries. South Naperville is booming with businesses of all sizes, bringing in customers from Will County and expanding the economic vitality of the area. And helping businesses to flourish are organizations like the Downtown Naperville Alliance, Naperville Development Partnership, and our five-star Naperville Area Chamber of Commerce. There's certainly no shortage of goods and services to be found within our city and the businesses that provide them also bring jobs and revenue. That's why the business sector truly shines among our list of Naperville gems. As someone who lives and has started businesses here, I can tell you Naperville is a quality place to live, work, and play. I love supporting local businesses and entrepreneurs, and I encourage you to do the same. That's gonna do it for us on this edition of 630 Naperville. Remember, if you think you can do more, you can. I'm Joe Chura, and I'll see you next time.